0: Hey, everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and welcome to episode number six of the Mandolins and Beer Podcast, Uh, brought to you in part by the Mandolin Cafe. Now, this is where I would normally grab my mandolin, and I would play a little intro music, and this week, the intro music was going to be I Got Rhythm from Aaron Weinstein, this week's guest, Peghead Nation course, Uh, but unfortunately... Um, I went through a little bit of a hurricane this last weekend. I lost power for over 30 hours. And so the only time I had to do this interview uh, between my schedule and Aaron's schedule was today, um, the day I'm posting this. And so we worked it out. We did the interview today, which was a great conversation. Um, And I started editing it, but then I had to race off to my gig where on the last song of the night, I broke a string. And so I don't have time to change the strings because I want to get this uploaded and out there for you. So next week, I'll have a little intro song, but that is the reason why there's no intro song this week. And I had to come back home tonight and finish editing it. And right now it's 12.35 a.m., September 11th, and this podcast would normally be already posted. But now I'm just coming back and finishing the editing and all that good stuff. Uh, Aaron was an awesome guest. The reason why I kind of jumped ahead, I've got some... Already in the bank here as far as podcasts uh, recorded, but Aaron's new album is incredible, and I really wanted to take advantage of the fact that it just came out this past Friday, and he had just done a wonderful interview that is posted on the Mandolin Cafe website, and again, the Mandolin Cafe sponsors this podcast, and I am super proud to say that every week as it is the best Mandolin resource that there is out there. And, um, and let's get to my other sponsor as well, uh, Peghead Nation. With Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass, you'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots Music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of mandolin instructors with courses including Beginning Mandolin and Intermediate Bluegrass Mandolin with Sharon Gilchrist, Bluegrass Mandolin, Jam Favorites, and The Advancing Mandolinist with Joe K. Walsh. Monroe Style Mandolin with Mike Compton, Melodic Mandolin, Tunes with John Reichman, Chord Melody Mandolin with Aaron Weinstein, our guest this week, Irish Mandolin with Marla Fibish, and Theory for Mandolin and Fiddle with Chad Manning. Courses include high-quality, multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month free. Just go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MandolinBeer, all one word at checkout. Not plural, mandolin. Um, you know what? And speaking of uh Aaron, uh, he has a book out on Mel Bay um on chord melody, and I have to brag about Mel Bay. Uh, real quick, here. I have bought a bunch of books, some ebooks from them that I use. I love buying mandolin instructional books. I always find great stuff in them. Aaron's is no exception. And this week, I or last week, I should say, I actually had an issue accessing an ebook where it was just blank. I could see the title and there was nothing on there. I sent an email um, to Mel Bay and they responded within 10 minutes. And I was stunned, and the, um, the thing they recommended didn't work. And so I sent another email, and again, within, I would say, less than 10 minutes, they responded back again, and completely fixed my problem, and that is customer service at its finest. And so I just wanted to give a tip of the hat to Mel Bay, because normally, you send an email to somebody, and you're lucky if you hear back the same day at all. And um, great customer service from Mel Bay, so... Thank you guys there. Just a little shout-out to them. Um, I'd also like to talk a little bit real quick about a beer that I uh, was enjoying this week. Now, Aaron is, is not a beer drinker, and so we, um, we do talk about maybe another type of drink of choice, but he's not a beer guy. Um, so uh, one of the beers that I enjoyed yesterday when I was doing some Patreon videos was D9 Breweries Cryonic. Uh, I think I posted this before on my um, Instagram video. It's IPA. It's incredible. Uh, I've bought it multiple times now, and I would highly recommend it. So D9 Brewing, Cryonic, uh, and if you like IPAs, it's it's fantastic. So check them out at their website. Speaking of Patreon, there's a few different ways that you can support the Mandolins and Beer Podcast. Uh, the first way is the cheapest way. It's free. Just hit subscribe. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, hit subscribe. Uh, maybe tell some friends. That would be great. Recommend it to some people. Post about it on your social media. You can hit share on the podcast pages and maybe you know put it on your Instagram or your Facebook or your Snapchat, MySpace if you still use MySpace. I don't know what you got going on out there. Do that. You can also go to mandolinsandbeer.com. You can go there and I have merch. I have shirts, stickers, and koozies, and I have hat samples coming. I can't wait to see them. Uh, I'm really excited to check that out. I wear hats all the time, and to have a mandolins and beer hat, that would be awesome. I've also got the mandolins and beer Spotify playlist. Again, it's free to follow it, and I post songs that are discussed and play. I play samples of during these podcasts, and I post the full versions on the mandolins and beer Spotify playlist. There was one song actually this week, though, that we talked about, Sweet George Brown, um, that I could not find the version that Aaron mentioned on Spotify. So I grabbed it elsewhere, but you get the sample and you get the idea of it. Um, And also, if you go to my website, I got a contact form. I would love to hear from you. I've been getting so many emails. It's great to hear from y'all. I appreciate it. I've been trying the beers, been listening to the music you recommended. Um, Actually, you know what I'd like to know? I have got a boatload of picks in front of me at the moment and i'm in this midst of pick hell where i can't figure out which picks i'm really enjoying right now and i would love if if i'm gonna i'm gonna get myself into this mess of picks i'd love to check out whatever you guys are maybe using as well Uh, so let me know shoot me a message on my contact form and let me know what picks you enjoy playing with i got some blue chips in front of me and some wiegans i've got the fender true shell i've got some dunlop picks i've got a bunch of picks on here and uh i keep changing them in the middle of the middle of gigs here. And I think I know what I'm really enjoying right now, but who knows? I'd love to check out what you're using, though, too. So shoot me a message on my contact form. That'd be awesome. Once again, I just want to thank Aaron for, for doing this podcast today. I want to thank you, the listeners, for listening to this podcast. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Again, it just every, every day I'm surprised when I look at the numbers of how many people have been listening and, and subscribing. I can't thank you enough. So, let's get into the podcast with Aaron. I hope you enjoy it. If you haven't checked out Aaron's YouTube videos, I mentioned it multiple times um, in the podcast, but if you have not taken the time to check out his YouTube videos or if you've never seen it, they're incredible. Um, he's so good with this chord melody stuff. It's inspiring. So, if you haven't seen it before, before you listen to the rest of this podcast, check it out. Uh, and if you have, go back and, and watch them again. And be sure be sure to check out all of Aaron's social media pages. I'll have them linked on mandolinsandbeer.com. Be sure to go go to Bandcamp and purchase his album. You can get the uh, single version of the album uh, for about ten bucks, I'd say, but for I think just a few dollars more, like two or three dollars more, you can get the version he talks about where it's recorded with three different microphones. You can get a different mix, check out different different versions of the songs. That's awesome for you know for somebody to be able to do that. You can also check them out on spotify and wherever else you stream your jams all right y'all thanks so much for listening let's get into this week's podcast and once again thanks to my sponsors mandolin cafe and peghead nation all right so now i'd like to welcome to the podcast mr aaron weinstein aaron how you doing today Great, great! Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for doing it. Um, I really appreciate it. This is uh, this is exciting to talk to you. You've got a brand new album out that I want to congratulate you on. Three by three oh, is that the? Uh, am I saying it right? I didn't. I didn't know if it was it was something where it's like it's three times three. Yeah. <laughs> so is it? What do you what do you call I, I, it?
1: I th- I think I think it's it's three by three, okay. and it's uh, the the idea is that there's there's three musicians, and then. It, it's a little complicated. There's there's actually two uh, versions of of the album. There's one like regular, standard album version, and then there's one where you get three copies of the record, yes. each with a uh, recorded with a different microphone technology. That I hope you don't ask me about because I don't know <laughs> yeah. exactly what those microphone technologies are. No but, worries. Uh, the the engineers did, and, and uh, that was that was one of the the concepts of of, uh, of the label when they uh, brought the
0: project to me. I love it. I love all that. Um, I don't want to call it nerdy stuff. I mean it in the nicest way possible because I I love <laughs> diving into to like you know the rabbit hole of ooh recording sometimes. And again, I have, I'm. Technology wise, microphone wise, I'm definitely not the, mm-hmm. the smartest person. But if anybody's listening to this, you can go to Bandcamp, Aaron's Bandcamp, and get this. It's it's literally two dollars more to get three times the record. And yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, think, it's I awesome. think it's
1: on. I think it's on most most of the platforms. And I mean when I when I did it, they they were kind of explaining to because no matter how how much you think you're inept when it comes to technology, I promise mm-hmm. you, I'm twice as inept. <laughs> um, so. At a certain point I kind of told them like that that all sounds great. I will like stand where you want me to and play music and and I'll leave all the technology stuff to you. Yeah, so there you
0: go. That's Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. It's the best way to do it. If you can do it that way, it's I highly recommend it.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm just
0: going <laughs> right. to play. You guys set up the stuff and just let me know when I need to play. So Exactly. So if exactly. anybody's if, if if anybody's not familiar with Aaron's work, which um which I I would be surprised if they weren't because when you first put out those chord melody youtube videos a few years ago the mandolin cafe was bowled over by the you know the technique and and the way that you uh just change some people's views on the instrument but I, I do want to just read this little blurb here that's online so first off you've been called the perfect musician by Bucky Pizzarelli as I am I saying that Pizzarelli I I'm familiar with this word but I could be murdering his last name
1: yeah, yeah 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 that that's his uh yeah absolutely perfect that's, that's his
0: name so that's that's pretty great praise that's pretty great yeah, praise. and then it's really nice yeah and then and then to back it up to back it up it's not just words you've performed at Carnegie Hall the Kennedy Kennedy Center jazz at Lincoln Center Birdland and Blue Note as well as festivals all over the world I mean that's amazing and so thanks it's it's an honor to have 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 you on this podcast thank, thank you so much
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Or be talking to you. Oh, here yeah, in yeah.
1: Here. The oh, internet land. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great uh-huh. place. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And um you've also put out a, a a a mandolin chord melody book on Mel Bay, which I own, mm-hmm. which is great. And I have to thank oh, you for thanks. putting that out. You saved me a gig once with your your <laughs> chord melody system and I'm nowhere near you, but I was hired to play a wedding with a guitar player and the guitar player what the song that the people wanted played was Africa by Toto I'm not sure if you're familiar with it it's kind of like an 80s pop song um okay, it's not is a real
1: out, out of my reference there yeah, yeah
0: yeah it's not real easy though it's a lot of chords like it's not like oh uh-huh. it's three chords and we'll be fine it's it's a, it's a complex mm. tune like they were like huge studio musicians that formed this band and the guitar mm-hmm. player just decided he didn't want to do it and I'm like, well, I'm not going to lose the gig. So I learned a chord melody version of it, and it worked great. And it was all because I had read your book and the techniques on how you approach some of your chord melody stuff, which we'll talk to in just a bit. But it really helped oh, me out. Oh, that's so
1: fantastic! And I would have never been able oh, to do I, that
0: if I had not if I had not followed the advice in that book.
1: Well, that 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 makes me really happy because you know um, when I was writing that book and when I kind of, you know, any kind of instructional material or even examples of things, I mean, a big part of it is that hopefully it it helps people kind of see, um, you know, maybe a different side of the mandolin than a lot of uh, mandolinists are are interested in mm-hmm. uh primarily and uh you know it, but because it's kind of done in a bubble you know when you write a book when you put things out on the internet you don't know who sees it or who who is affected by it in any way so it's really nice to hear that it it, it does a little good
0: yeah it does a lot of good it's great you know and it's daunting in the way you break it down i mean when you watch a video of you and you're like, I will never be able to, <laughs> to figure that out. I mean, that was my first thought when I saw that. I'm like, wow. And I love it because I love, I love solo jazz guitar stuff. Like I, and, and solo blues guitar, I've always been like, man, that's mm-hmm. so great. And I never imagined it possible on the mandolin. And so I was, it was, it's great to see somebody approach it like that. And the way you break it down yeah. in the book is in like bite-sized pieces to where it feels attainable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I- I love it.
1: Well, and and, and that's kind of uh, I, I'm I'm glad that that that's uh, that that you've responded to to that kind of approach because that that's kind of how I've gone about uh, playing jazz on, on the violin or the mandolin. It, it's kind of for me the the key to to being able to do any of it is to really kind of understand what's happening. Um, you, you know, you don't have to get super theoretical with it, but like w- when I started playing jazz on the violin, uh, I was doing it without having any concept of, you know, that there were chords or that, you know, part of the idea is to play through the changes or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. I was learning these solos blind. um, Mm -hmm. And once I realized like, oh, there's chords and, and there's kind of, this is how improvisation works um it may you know it just makes so much more sense and and i think it's the same with like the chord melody stuff um if you just if you're not familiar with the style or the style of music and you're just watching it without kind of a frame of reference for how it's uh created i, I guess it 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 can seem a little daunting but if you have a sense of kind of where where it starts and how these, the kind of the, the overarching concepts, I I think it's pretty accessible.
0: That's awesome. And and what I love about hearing this is again, like I think um, a lot of people, myself included, have that first glance thing. Like you watch a video of you playing this chord melody thing and the, and you do, your technique is real smooth. Both hands are just like, just, you know, that seems so effortless, but there's so much work behind it. And and I think some people, you know, you want the magic button of like, well, what's the trick to doing this? And there's not really a trick besides hard work, and it doesn't even have to be that hard. Yeah. I think. I think maybe repetition is.
1: Well, it's um, I mean, with with the violin, with the mandolin, with playing jazz. I think on any instrument. Um, I I I do get a, a fair amount of of calls mostly from violin players like wanting to learn how to play jazz on the violin some mm-hmm. from mandolin players wanting to learn how to play chord melody on the mandolin and um I you know I'm really good at giving a first lesson and I say that because many of them don't come back for a second lesson <laughs> because they they want the skeleton key they want like what's that like as you said what's the trick to it there must be some kind of like there, there must be a one-sentence explanation for everything, and the, unfortunately, it just doesn't really work that way. Right. So, um, yeah, in, in that sense, that's kind of a, a non-starter. But yeah, it, it's just uh, a lot of it is a, a matter of being, you know, familiar enough with what it is you're doing. So, I from a mandolin perspective. I, I think a, a big hurdle is just. Being able to get your fingers into those uh, some of those chord forms, so the challenge is not ah, where do my fingers go to create whatever like a, a G thirteen flat nine, but it's <laughs> uh, it's what you what you might be able to do with that. Um, you know, so so the fingers are kind of working with you instead of against you. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's all.
0: On your Peghead Nation course, which I watched um, a little bit, I was you know, I lost some power this weekend. And so, Sorry. no. What are you going to do? You know. But uh, um, Peghead Nation's a sponsor. I've actually been a member of Peghead Nation for about a year and a half, though before they even sponsored this, and, and I transferred over to your course. And your pinky, oh, you. your pinky looks like it's another person <laughs> using their pinky from or behind the neck. You have such stretch and flexibility to get to some of these things. And I would love to know: is that something you worked on? Do you or did, or did you just have flexible hands that? that uh
1: um, well uh, you know it, it recently i i've i've received some notes like asking about pinky things and not until i got those notes did i i that you know there there was anything unusual about what what i'm doing with my pinky and i, I, I don't really think there is um I don't think my hands are particularly flexible either. Mm -hmm. Uh, like first thing in the morning after, after coffee, (laughs) uh, I'll just do some, some basic like mandolin stretching, uh, things on the fretboard. Um, but I, I don't have particularly large hands. Um, stretches are not easy for me, but, but like, Everything. It's not a matter of if it's easy or hard. It's a matter of if it's familiar or not. And if you do something enough, it becomes familiar. So, um, I mean, I, I remember. Th- th- I remember when I was uh, studying with Don Sternberg when I was in high school, he sh- he showed me one voicing for a uh, a B flat chord, j- just a a, a B flat triad, mm-hmm. and and it it did it, it there was a stretch to i mean it was it was tricky for me at at, at that time only because i'd never stretched my fingers in that way um sure. n- now it's not so tricky because i have i've played that voicing a, a few times between between <laughs> high school and now
2: so <laughs> so
1: i i mean i i i think a lot of it is maybe you know the fingers are not quite so familiar with stretching in that way, but if if you do it enough, I I, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of unless you unless there are some you know legitimate hand problems to work around. But mm-hmm. my answer to that always, when when people bring that up, is like you know no one had worse hands than Django Reinhardt. <laughs> you know he had big yes. fingers to work with, and, <laughs> and he he found a way around it. So if he could find a way around it, you know we none of us have any excuse.
0: Exactly. What are some of those mandolin stretches that you you do?
1: Oh, um, I mean, it, it's, it's, it, I don't know if, if there's any legitimacy to it, but I, um, it, it's just, it, it, it kind of stretches my hands, so I, it feels good to me. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, um, you know, will, will alternate, um, God, it's hard to explain on, on the phone, but sure, like, you right. know, just, just kind of like, you know, uh, on one string, on the G string, uh, like you know, fourth finger on whatever fret the the, the D would be, and just you know, uh, move all the other fingers down the down the the uh, the neck, alternating with that fourth finger, just so it's like you know, you're stretching fingers four and three, stretching fingers four and two, four and one, gotcha. and yeah. uh, you know, and and. Uh, then you're you know just kind of alternating between on the G string it would be like an A flat with the first finger and a D with the with the fourth finger just just you know it's not a musical exercise it's it's really it's just stretching out the hand a little bit
0: Sure stretches are always good though I talked to a guy mm-hmm. uh Caleb Edwards really good mandolin player based out in Nashville and he plays with an Irish band right now called Aruna and you know he he warm ups for him are a big thing because he he was starting to experience some sort of uh hand hand and arm problems and so for i think some people underestimate the power of the warm-up if you've really especially if you're really going to play a lot or if you're planning to play a Mm -hmm. lot you know i think it's very important
1: it's it's true it's something that i never used to do um like in my in my early 20s or mid-20s it would just be like okay concert starts like rap violin and start playing. rap mandolin <laughs> and start playing, and and I I started doing it on the violin, just little trills, just to again to get the fingers kind of you know up and running. And I, I found it made a, a a really big difference.
0: Yeah, that's great. And, uh,
1: yeah, uh, and it's it, like... especially especially if it's like you know if you're if you're playing some kind of an improvised music where you're kind of hoping that your fingers will be your friends and and do what you're. You know, your mind's ear is asking it to do. It's kind of important to have those fingers ready to go.
0: Sure. I mean, if you were a world class sprinter, I don't think you would just pull up to a race and run. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think they everybody in all sorts of things warm up, you know. So it's a,
1: I, I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I, um,
0: Although I'm not a world-class again, sprinter, I mean? so I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, I mean, everyone has their, their own system. I, I can, I can only speak to what, what
0: kind of works for me. Sure. Well, your system seems to be working pretty well for you. Um, <laughs> so that's a, that's a, that's a positive. Um, I no. want to talk a little bit about your past. Now there is a great interview on the Mandolin Cafe website that was done by Michael. Uh, that was just posted last week which was excellent so i don't want to cover what he covered i would encourage people to go to mandolin cafe and and check that out and um but i would like to talk a little bit for the listeners about how you got uh did you start on jazz violin? Mhm. And... Well i
1: actually i, I started on, on old time fiddle music but Oh, did you really? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, I, I, was, cool. I was doing that for for a, a, a while and uh and then i heard a jovanotti record and mm-hmm. and that kind of changed everything. Uh and um, and I wanted to learn, I wanted some guidance uh, with regard to jazz on the violin. It didn't occur to me that jazz is not an instrument-specific music, therefore you don't need a jazz violin teacher to learn how to play jazz on the violin. I didn't know that at mm-hmm. the time. That's, sure. um But uh, lucky for me, I I didn't know that, and um, I know that the mandolin. I knew that the mandolin was close to the violin, and uh, Don Sternberg lived a literal town away from me, and so I thought, well, you know, I, I could learn jazz mandolin, and then I could probably transfer a lot of that stuff to the violin. Uh, little did I know that the mandolin it's like it's its own instrument and the more I <laughs> played it the more I learned it the more I realized how different it actually is sure. even though the tuning is the same
0: right right well, who were some of the old time uh, fiddle players that you were listening to were there any albums at that point that for you were like yeah. oh this is cool
1: oh yeah 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 I, um a, a lot of the um, the Missouri style old time fiddlers like um like Charlie Walden and uh Cyril Stinnett and uh, Pete McMahon, um I, I don't I don't know if, if those are names that are, are familiar to a lot of people. Um You know, this was all prior to YouTube. I, I found recently, like you know, videos of, of some of these people that I, I wish, when I was eleven and twelve and thirteen, uh, really learning these from cassettes of, of these players. I wish I could have seen them play, but um, it, it's it's not unrelated to Texas style. I guess what they call contest style uh, fiddling. It, it's less flashy, but th- there's there is a certain kind of impression Provisatory um, element where they would take these, someone like Cyril Stinnett would take these, you know, basic, uh, old-time fiddle tunes and fill in all the gaps. So it's kind of this, like this constant stream of flowing eighth notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, there, there, but he's not he's not playing through changes. He's not throwing in the blues. Um, it, it, it's very much in a traditional style. But you know there there was a certain element of improvisation. I I didn't really put that together at, at the time I was learning it. But uh, but th- those are those are some of the, the people I was really um, enamored of.
0: That's cool. And now how we turned on to that type of music.
1: Um I I I I don't exactly re- I mean I I I guess it, it it kind of came from asking for a a fiddle um and you know that connotes a certain kind of music even mm-hmm. though when I was asking for a fiddle, I was thinking about a flute, it, it, um, and it was just a miscommunication. Uh, I just wanted—I wanted a flute because I have an older brother, and I wanted to hit him with it. That's the only reason I wanted a flute. Um, but I, you know, I mean, long story short, like finally, my parents got me. What I was asking for, which was a fiddle, and uh, it was this massive disappointment when I opened up the case because I wanted this flute. Yeah. Uh, but I had asked for it for so long that I, I couldn't not try. So, so that's that's how the violin came came about. And in Chicago, there's a uh, there, it's a nice hub of of old time fiddle music. So. I, uh, you know, I, I found uh, the people like Paul Tyler um, started showing me these, these tunes, and through him I, I found this Missouri-style um, uh, 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 fiddle music. Uh, Charlie Walden also lived in, in a different town, uh, one town away from me, mm-hmm. uh, who who's one of the masters of, of Missouri-style old-time fiddling.
0: It's amazing to me. I love talking to people who who've, um, didn't have access to music on the internet or or anything beforehand because it's amazing how people shape musical styles to me you know what i mean you're like one cassette away from being a slayer fan for the rest of your life which is like crazy (laughs) you know what i mean like you're you're like one person away from that and and to 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 have somebody who turned you onto that music um is so cool to me and and how the process works on how you get to where you are and and how i think it makes people it gives you style you know
1: yeah, I mean, you know, the, the only reason I found out about Joe Venuti is that my parents, who are big music fans, they have, you know, a big record collection of, uh, of mostly like like '60s rock and th- you know things from their their uh, teenage years. But they they had jazz records, they had opera records, a little bit of everything. But they had a uh, a cassette of Joe Venuti uh, in some drawer that I found. Um, <laughs> You know, lucky for me. Um,
0: yes, you say lucky. It's the, the, I mean, yeah. Parents' drawers are a risky thing to find things in, anyway. <laughs> I, could have, I could have found something very, very different. Yeah. To go yeah. In Thank a, goodness a it was a cassette. Not, not even musically, not even That's musically. Right. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Anyway, so you found like a and mm-hmm. it just it threw you on a whole new, a whole new path of, of music exploration
1: yeah yeah and uh and you know from a mandolin perspective it was again just such great luck for me that don sternberg was uh was as close geographically as he was because you know he 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 turned me on to, well obviously to jethro burns
2: right right yeah.
1: and and the, and the whole notion that you can play chord melody on the mandolin—that the mandolin is a really good instrument, uh, a really great kind of self-contained instrument—you could, you are able to do that sort of thing. So, um, again, just very very lucky to have have someone as I mean as masterful musically, but also as encouraging as as Don is
0: yeah. um, so during how, did, those years. So, did you have a mandolin before you met Don? Did you acquire a mandolin uh, yeah, at that point? Yeah, I, I,
1: I had. I mean, my my father had a uh, an old um, harmony uh, acoustic electric uh, mandolin that was like in the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I started on that. It's not the easiest instrument to play. Sure. Um, I I I'm actually looking at it right now. It's, oh, like, no, it's in great. my fire. It's it's in it's in my fireplace. <laughs> 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 <It's>... <laughs> maybe uh, not the safest it, place to a, stay, it,
2: to keep it, a mandolin. It's, <laughs> a, it's a decorative fire it's a decorative fireplace. <laughs> okay. I should specify. Yes, uh, clarification <laughs> needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um but at a certain point it's like, you know, something a little more playable and um and i found uh red diamond uh don mcrosty I-, I think was just kind of this was in uh, 2003 and i think it was a relatively new company mm-hmm. and uh again i got very lucky getting a- an instrument from him because it's the most comfortable instrument i've i've ever played really That's great. Uh, the neck just feels so so natural to me
0: yeah sounds amazing as well um it's oh, a great sounding instrument. the red or I mean, there's a lot of real high praise for that brand in the in his Yeah, I love filmmaker. it. Yeah, they're great ones. So you so you meet, you, you take lessons with Don. How long did you take lessons with Don for?
1: Um, base, I, I, I think I, I started doing that either freshman or sophomore year of high school mm-hmm. and and basically through through uh, through high school. Oh, I mean nice. as long as I was in as long as I was in in the area in the Chicago area before I moved uh, to the East Coast for college and then afterwards yeah
0: but I love Chicago by the way before I moved to Charleston you know, I was like my fa- mm. I lived in Michigan for all my life and so going to Chicago was uh-huh. one of my favorite places to um oh, cool to go to what a good there's a great music um you know I don't know if there still is because you know rent goes up cool clubs close I'm sure there's still killer music mm-hmm. around but at that I mean you, boy 15 years I mean, ago there, 12 there years were, there ago were,
1: there were a lot of really great people to to listen to um i mean J- johnny frigo the great jazz violinist is from was from chicago and and i got to know him and play with him uh, and eventually record with him
0: Was his son's name What's that? Derek? Did he have a son named Derek? Frigo? Uh he
1: had a uh, there's there's Rick and uh he he did have another son who who uh who passed away uh yeah. tragically. Um but in, in fact, I, I recall that the, it was not to get too morbid, but, but it, it was like the the day after I, I think he passed, Johnny did a concert and he, he played so extraordinarily well as he always did. But it, it was incredible. And I'm thinking, how, how did he manage to do this, you know, given what had happened? And then afterwards he, he made this, this speech that I, you know, I can't forget. And, it, and he, he just kind of let everything out about his son. I It, it was, it was, I found it really, really very moving, but mm-hmm. I, I guess that's, that's the kind of not to get too new age about it, but mm-hmm. like music is a really powerful thing. And, and that's what helped him get through at least that day.
0: Sure. It's um, yeah, it's yeah. therapeutic. I mean, I can't think of how many times yeah. I've read interviews or seen videos where people, I mean, you know, this song saved my life. This album saved my life. This album changed uh-huh, my uh-huh. Uh, You know, it's amazing um, that it's done. Yeah. I mean, it you know, even like, look at the Joe Venuti album that you picked up. It changed the course of your life in a sense. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, heard this yeah, magical really thing. Yeah. Was there a certain song by Venuti, by the way that you um that you heard right away and you were like what this is it? <laughs>
1: uh well I, I guess it I guess it was the first song on on that album which was a live album uh from like 1975 in Italy um and he played uh Sweet Georgia Brown was the opening of the, of that concert just so happened to be and it, it started the way he, he would often start that tune and other tunes where the drummer would kind of do a sing-sing-sing uh, groove on the tom-toms and he would just play over it for a while. I, I mean, it was it was just an avalanche. It was just a musical avalanche yeah. uh, to hear that. Um, I, yeah, I, I remember the record. I remember hearing it for the first time. I remember not knowing exactly what was happening, but knowing that I wanted to know. And <laughs> yeah. it, it, I mean, there were a lot of question marks, but um, it, it, was, it was really, uh, yeah, it, it, an, av- an avalanche is really the only way I could uh, d- describe it.
0: That's great. I love it. I love hearing stuff like this. I think it's so amazing. Yeah. I think everybody who's got got who loves music anyway has got got a similar story. So, um, mm-hmm. so then you, you end up you go to Berkeley. So you kind of knew that mm-hmm. music was. You're like, this is it for me. This is my calling.
1: Uh, well, and n- not not in not in those terms really. Mm-hmm. But um, starting, I guess, at the end of high school, like. Um, Junior year, uh, I again was really, really lucky to start working with uh, Bucky Pizzarelli, and um, I—it was that—it was like in, in one year I met Bucky and started working with him. I met Frank Vignola oh, um, and like Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do too. Holy cow! Uh,
0: what a yeah! What a group of it, people. It was, <laughs> it was a really.
1: I, I mean, and and suddenly, and and, and John Pizzarelli as well. And mm-hmm. it's like uh, suddenly, I was, you know, working with these people, um, and so I, there was no kind of, uh, um, you know, contract I wrote for myself saying this is my calling. But I was really kind of thrilled to be. You know able to know and work with these people whose records I was listening to over and over and over again sure. um and so you know they would call me for work and I would say yes and and that that just kind of kept happening
0: and what age is this
1: um this this basically started i i i think um like the summer before senior year of of high
0: school that is incredible. Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, um, it was, I I was kind of in over my head in a lot of ways. I mean, my first recording session in New York, it was, uh, I believe, Skitch Henderson's last recording. And it was this, for me, insanity, because I was in the studio with John and Bucky and and Skitch Henderson and Johnny Frigo and Jay Lenhart was playing bass and it's like you know these are all my heroes. What, what am I doing? I mean it was terrifying. I'd never been in a, really in a recording studio before, other sure. than doing demos for, you know, the college auditions. Right. Um, I didn't even know what you're supposed to wear to a, a recording <laughs> session. I, I mean, I, I remember like Googling recording sessions and I would find all these old session photos from the fifties. And I would like, you know, say, okay, you know, is there a dress code? What, what are you supposed to do? I knew nothing. I didn't know that, you know, it's helpful to kind of, only have one earphone on when you're when you're playing, so you could actually hear what you are doing. Right. Uh, I, so it was it was a steep learning curve, but uh, yeah, that that all kind of started happening um, ba- basically my senior year of uh, of
0: high school. Wow. So during that time, what's one piece of advice you think um, playing wise that's really stuck with you? I mean, you're playing with incredible players, you're having access to uh-huh. some incredible minds. What's something that that you learned somewhere in those sessions that really resonated with you that still kind of sticks with you today
1: Well I I mean you know everyone is so specific and and every circumstance is so specific that mm-hmm. and I'm not in a position to give anyone a, a, advice but I I can I can make an observation maybe sure. that's about as close as I can come yeah. Um and and it it speaks a little bit to the difference between even though it wasn't that long ago, uh, the difference between like pre social media and and which is when this was all happening and now, um, I, sometimes like now there are maybe younger younger players who who want to sit in or, or things like that, and they um sometimes I, I see them approaching the situation. Um, in a maybe an overly aggressive way or trying to assert themselves sure. and 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 often someone is videoing it, you know filming it and and I'm sure to put on Facebook you know so they could show people what's what's going on and I, i'm I'm kind of glad that um, that I that those weren't considerations for me. I mean, there was no Facebook, so I, I didn't have to think about content and things like that. Right. Um, th- th- I think w- what I found really valuable, um, and, and whether I, I don't think it was conscious, but it, I, I, I did do this is, uh, really listen to what these people have to say because they're really smart <laughs> and they've been doing it a really long time. And like, uh, I mean, until I turned about twenty, I didn't really say anything, you know, on stage in life. I, I was very, very quiet, um, and I think part of it was I was very often musically, professionally, around these these giants. Yeah. And I, you know, what am I? I I would much rather listen to what they have to say, um, and I'm talking about like before and after the gig because you're going to hear stuff, uh, you know, it's just, there's so much experience there. Um, so I I would say like, you know, as close to advice as I can get, it's like, it's much more important, I think, to, to listen to what someone else has to say than to let them know what you know. Um, and and I kind of think that generally, like, uh you know as much as i'm talking right now i i don't i would much rather know what someone else's take on something is cuz i know what my take on it is
2: sure
1: um and and so when i'm sitting with someone like Les paul like i, I even if and he was uh, kind enough and sweet enough to to ask me like so what do you think about this and i would very quickly and respectfully answer and then like okay let's get back to you because sure. like you know uh, <laughs> I want to know what you think. Um, yeah. and so, so I would say keeping your ears open and also being respectful. Um, I think that it goes a long way. Um, a, a, a respect for these people, a, a genuine respect for the music that, that you're, you're trying to play. Um, you know, if that's there, if the enthusiasm and the respect is there, I think, any kind of shortcomings musically uh will much more quickly be forgiven.
0: Sure. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. you know both verbally and musically listening if you're asked to sit in, I always find I never asked to sit in. I mean, I play music for a living, and I always find I, I like I'm never I like as much as I love a band, I don't think so highly of myself that I think I can add anything to what they're doing that I would ask to get up there like, "Oh, you guys are doing great. You know what you need? Me." You know, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
2: so bizarre. A- a-
1: absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I, I, I kind of fall into the same camp as you do in that way. I, I'm, I'm very reluctant to, um, to kind of assert myself in, in that way. I, I'm, I'm really thankful that people have asked me to, you know, to do that, and therefore those opportunities came about because. I don't think I could ever, like, you know, bring my instrument to someone else's gig and and that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that, and. You know, some people have have done that, like like when, when I'm playing, and I'm thrilled. Like this is this is fantastic, but it, it's just not so much in my nature. And well, before I was talking about like the verbal stuff, what you do here, the the advice that they may unintentionally give you mm-hmm. before and after the gig. Nat, I, I mean, we didn't even get into the musical stuff, um, which is there's, there's a certain amount of like osmosis that happens in in certain ways. If you, it's, it's kind of like, you know, um, uh, intentional osmosis. I mean, if you're on stage standing next to someone who's like this masterful person and they just finish their solo, if you've listened even with half an ear to what it is they do you probably will be playing a little differently sure. because uh, and, and th- this happened um the first time i remember this happening was with a uh, with uh, a a a vocalist a jazz singer named Annie Ross who's i mean in my estimation one, one of the the astounding singers in the in the history of of jazz mm-hmm. but um i i was uh, you know she 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 asked me to sit in and and long story short my objective prior to the the gig starting was to really impress her and what that meant for me is to be as technical as I could <laughs> sure. in my solo and <laughs> you know show her that I knew all the notes that right uh, right <laughs> and and she you know what she sang the the song that we were playing um that she, that she was singing and it was like her whole sensibility had nothing to do with technique and everything to do with pure Mm -hmm. music-making. And even without knowing it, it's like I just knew I would sound like an idiot if after she just sang this melody, uh, she was singing Just Friends, uh, where it was like the first time I actually heard what that song was. Um, For me to then do some kind of, you know, technical thing was would just be so stupid it would have nothing to do with what she just sang right right um and, and and that was the first time that happened and working with people like bucky and and frank vignola uh who who I've been fortunate to work with extensively these people who are just so profoundly musical i don't think they could be unmusical if they tried oh, yeah um, when you're you know when it's a side by side comparison it, it 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 really changes the way you think about music or the way I thought about music.
0: Sure. Well, it seems like um, that's helped you in, in in many ways. and It's probably one of the reasons why you're so successful and, and get as much work as you do and put out such great music is because you absorbed it and listened and, and were respectful. And how you talk about this era of social media, and there's some great players out there, um, but sometimes you see these videos where people sit in with other people um, and more established people, and they're great players, but they just they whip out every trick in the book and just overplay mm-hmm. and overplay and overplay and then you get a guy that's seasoned that plays and mm-hmm. then they take their turn mm-hmm. and they they just play tastefully and it makes all the difference in the world, you know?
1: There is something to be said about, like, you know, and I experience this with, with my, my own playing, is that, um, you know, I'm not going to play today the way I'm going to play a year from today.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, the way I played, a, you know, a year ago is different than I, I play now because my my values change. I mean, sure. you know, they 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 strengthen, they loosen, they they you know, it's not it's not a, a huge shift always, but the, the more uh, the more and more the more that I play, the more I kind of am really trying to do it, simplify.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. And,
1: and, and when I listen back to most things I, I, I've played or, or recorded, you know, I, my criticisms are often too many notes or that idea could have been executed in seven notes, not 12. <laughs> right. Um, and, and it's, uh, you, you know, what, what, for me, one of the really profound things about listening and working with these these total masters is that that's kind of what's going on. Like, you know, the the pure musicality, the the pure ideas, without any extraneous notes. Um, so there's so much of that happening, and for me, that's that's really the goal. And and it's not something that I don't think one day you just kind of like get there and then ring a bell and be mm-hmm. like victory. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's every gig, uh, you, you strive for it. And, and sometimes your rate of success is better than others. And it might have to do with things having nothing to do with the music. It could have to do with the audience or that you had a good day or a bad day or whatever. But, um, it, it's having that goal is, uh, for me, it has become really, really more and more important. And, and it's, it's the stuff that, that moves me musically. Right. Um, so that's what, that's what I, I try to do.
0: That's well, and a lot of people that I've talked to on this podcast and, and, and not even on this podcast, but people who are really, really great at what they do, that does seem to be like the end game of how can I be more musical? You know, and I love I love listening to to, to people like you're playing and like Frank, like Frank's version of uh, Flight of the Bumblebee. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is obviously just blazing fast, but he's that's Mm -hmm. just like one example of like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, everybody I think everybody enjoys playing fast at some point. It's just fun to do sometimes. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 98 percent of his music is is not that it's very musical and it's made sound like it's trying to move people, maybe even moving himself, I would assume.
1: And, and I mean, when you, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a like when you use when people use when I use words like musicality or really musical, I uh, I'm self-critical of things like that because that's that's a term that means that could mean anything. Um, it, it's it's about as descriptive as saying like, oh, it was really good. Like, <laughs> but why was it good? Or you know, what right. what about it is musical? And I think um I, I try to ask myself those things when i'm listening to either either other recordings or or my own and trying to figure things out um it, it's like what, what is it that that's really uh, that i'm really being drawn to here and what am i being repelled by um and the more specific just for me the more specific i can get with those kind of evaluations uh the more I can gain some clarity about what it is I'm actually trying to do, because it's very easy to kind of, for me, uh, to kind of fall into this broad notion of of what's good, um, and I think that's not for me. That's not terribly helpful. Um, <laughs> a, a specificity is really, really kind of where it's at. Yeah. So see, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So you go to Jed when you went to Berkeley. Um, did you uh-huh. did you study both violin and mandolin, or was it mostly violin? Uh, what did you work on?
1: I, I was there. I mean, violin was the instrument that that got me there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was you know I was playing the mandolin. I, I it, it was kind of when I was at Berkeley that I started. Um, well, that I started digging into like some of the early jazz guitar repertoire.
0: Yeah. Um, so who were some of, of those guys uh, that were?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Like um, in the twenties and more the thirties, there was this kind of all all the great New York guitar players. It seems that they many of them wrote these uh, solo pieces and these duets. Uh, people like Eddie Lang and Carl Kress and mm-hmm. uh, Dick McDonough um, and. A lot of those, and I mean, all of those are these master classes in chord melody. Uh, that was the big style of the time. That's what they were doing on the guitar. And many of them are um, either totally transferable or adaptable to the mandolin. Working through those, and with each one of those, just just by kind of transcribing what it is these guitar players were doing, and finding a way to make it work more or less. Because sometimes w- with some of those voicings on the guitar, you have to invert some of the uh you have to kind of invert some of the inner voicings to make it work on the mandolin. Um, but but with each of with, with each of those, it's like. It, it opened up a whole new world of possibilities uh, in terms of chord melody and what is possible on the mandolin. Ironically, it was the guitar players who were showing me how this all worked.
0: Yeah. So how do you, how, what's a good, maybe a simple example, Because, and again, you break some of these things down on your Peghead Nation course, which I would recommend um, mm-hmm. anybody going to, I mean, you can get a uh, through this website, through you, or through this podcast, you can get um, a 30-day free subscription if you enter mandolin and beer in there, you get 30 days. Go to Aaron's thing, because you, you really break down some of this, talking about the melody and then the chords. But if you could, in a in, in the, I guess, again, I don't want to go skeleton key, as we were talking about earlier, but maybe in a simplistic way of an easier chart, how you would approach um, like something like that. Because again, guitar, you obviously you have two more strings, you have scale. One of the things I love about your playing Especially on this new album, which we'll get to in just a second, is you make the the neck on the mandolin feel endless. It's impressive, you know what I mean? Like I'm just like Ware? it's not endless. No, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you make you give the you give the illusion oh, you. when you play, and that's my favorite thing about it. Is I'm like, how in the heck is he not running out of neck? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, how would you approach maybe like kind of a simple tune a few chords where you'd be like, "Okay, I can't do that on a guitar." How would you take a look at that
1: in in terms of chord melody yeah, yeah uh um it, well that it, that's it, that's not exactly like the the early guitars i mean that the whole idea with that stuff was specifically learning those those pieces mm-hmm. but in, in terms of of uh chord melody in 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 the most nuts and bolts uh way is y- you got your melody that's that's the big thing like you don't want to lose the melody so right. uh, a nice rule of thumb um and and you know don sternberg told me this and i believe jethro told him this it's like you know keeping the melody on the top of the chord is helpful mm-hmm. so and uh and it's very simply like you have your melody and throw in some chords uh some voicings below some of those melody notes um ideally when there's a new chord in the tune that's usually a nice place to um to to play a a voicing with that top note Mm -hmm. being the melody um you know in in the the most nuts and bolts sense, like that that's kind of that's kind of what you're doing um if you want to take a step back from it the big idea is to be able to Play the song on the mandolin, and let and so in a way so the ear can hear the melody and the harmony at at the same time. So that's that's the big idea. And whatever way you can do that, uh, then it's successful. If you if you manage to do that, it's successful. So it doesn't mean that you need to have a a big chord um, with, with every every melody note. I mean, you could sometimes just. A movement in the bass line is enough for the ear to hear that chord change.
0: Nice, that's great. And again, yeah. any, if, if people haven't seen your videos on YouTube, they need to go to YouTube. And if, if you're not familiar necessarily with Aaron's playing yet, and again, I'd be surprised if they're listening to this and they aren't. But it's um, <laughs> it's just it's they're amazing. They're I okay. mean, it, it was the first time in a lot It's pretty rare. I mean, mandolin's been around a long time, and it's it's yeah. pretty exciting. When something shows up, especially on the Mandolin Cafe, you know, where all of a sudden it is just like, like catches fire. Like people are like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> you know. Well, it,
1: I, I mean, I'm 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 glad that that people respond to it. I I feel really, frankly, uh, behind because all all this stuff that I'm doing. I mean, my my real templates for this stuff are are the the guitar players who mm-hmm. who uh, played solo, and so when you have people. Like you know, Joe Pass and Bucky Pizzarelli and George Van Epps, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm just trying to figure out what you know how to how to kind of move over the sort of the concepts that they pioneered, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, there's I have such a such a long way to go, but uh, and and some things I, I'm I'm not quite I'm still trying to figure figure out, but um. Uh, you know but that's i guess that's the fun of it yeah
0: absolutely and it's nice to I hear somebody,
1: reluctantly yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's nice to hear somebody like you who's accomplished saying you're still working at it that's what i think is so as encouraging about about musicians of your caliber is there there is no like you said there's no ringing in the bell I'm like cool I've done it I can just stop working and write it out you are still working
1: yeah, I I mean and well of, of course I I mean and in terms of, of chord melody uh for me now like the sort of things that I work on um you know it there at, at at a certain point it's for me it's not really you know it, it it's great just to just to be able to throw some chords into a melody and kind of make it work but at this point I I think like how can I approach this song, whatever song it is, in in a way, in, in a really interesting way. In, in, in other words, like, just because I can play a voicing here and that can work doesn't mean that's the best choice, doesn't right. mean that's going to be the most interesting thing. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm working on a, on a song, a little arrangement now that I, I'm not quite figured out yet. Um, uh, but you know if 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 you're not working on something what's the point of doing it right. um, so in terms of like the melody the chord melody stuff there's that and then there's the idea of improvising on the mandolin incorporating chord melody concepts um which i which i also find really intriguing sometimes maybe more intriguing than sitting down and figuring something out ahead of time
0: yeah oh it's yeah it's great to hear so then, so you put this new album out the mandolin cafe Mm -hmm. posts the interview and your first single from the record hindustan Comes out and immediately, I'm like, "Holy cow!" Now, is this the first time that you've recorded mandolin on one of your albums?
1: Um, solo it's albums? It's the first time. Um, no, no. I mean, it's it's been kind of sprinkled here, here and there. Okay, There's, sure. Uh, the the record I did prior to this called Lucky Day has mm-hmm. um, a few solo mandolin things and then one where on uh, an electric uh basically an electric solid body mandola oh, okay, I cool. played accompaniment for myself and then overdubbed like the 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 lead And a few other records other people's records here and there are you know there's some mandolin stuff but uh it's the first time kind of playing with a group on the mandolin other than solo stuff
0: gotcha how did you approach that mm-hmm. then um again i don't want to go too much into what was done in the mandolin cafe but you went in there you go in there with a trio and this album was recorded in one day
1: yeah they're they're uh chesky records um that's kind of how they do things. They, uh, they There's no... There, there's, You know, most recording sessions, especially now, you're in a recording studio and there's dividers. Uh, if you're in the same room at all, there's dividers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you do a track, uh, or the rhythm section does a track, uh, and then if someone screws up or something, you know, you could go back and punch just that part. And right. that's kind of how, how records are made. And, and the way that they wanted to do this record was totally live um so we were literally uh, the three three musicians were standing around a, a, a microphone and for like 45 minutes or an hour they kind of positioned us they had me take a step to the left they had the bass player take three steps to the right and mm-hmm. one step back and then they just had us play um it it's uh, you know when when you're in the studio and you're looking at everything under a microscope. It's very easy to be unsatisfied with those, that phrase with these notes. You want to go back and punch things and you can so often, uh, you, you do. Um, there's something great about that in in the sense of like the perfection of it, but there's also something to be said, I think about if you're playing jazz, so much of it is kind of the spontaneous, uh, you know, expression of the moments. And uh, that's kind of what this is. It's like, you know, it's three people playing music, and that's what you're hearing. Um, so, and, and I guess a, lo- a lot of my favorite records growing up, w- jazz-wise, were those kinds of records.
0: Yeah, that's... It, I, I, it's, it's so good. I, the song oh, nice. Nola may be my favorite song right now, by the way. It is... <laughs> I have it's a listened very, to very it. Old song. Yeah. Um, how long had you been? How long had you been playing that one?
1: Yeah, I, I, I used to. It's something I used to play and then stop playing. And and then when uh, when when the the label asked me to do this project and they said they wanted to focus on on early early music, early jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know because I think it was written in 1912 or something like that. Who's the original it, it, it composer? Uh, Felix uh, Arndt or something like that. Art. Cool. Um It's a. It was, it was originally a piano piece. Yeah, yeah. The and, versions
0: I have found have been piano versions. hmm I, I,
1: I'm pretty sure Jeth- Jethro recorded it. Uh, oh no kidding. And, and a, bu- a bunch of mandolin. I, I you know a bunch of mandolin players that have played it. We messed we we kind of messed around with it a little bit. Like there's a little solo section that I added, and there's some. Kind of goofy modulations that happen toward the end. Yeah, they're cool modulations.
0: The <laughs> I love them.
1: I, I mean, you know, it, it, it was we were we were having a little fun with it. Yeah,
0: but, uh, you could tell. Yeah. it translates into the song for sure. That song. Oh, good. Yeah, good. that song just gives you a good vibe. Now, have you listened to much Freddie Green playing? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, you can hear it and you're playing, I think.
1: I I did and, and that's another thing that like, you know, that that kind of Freddie Green with the Basie band, a lot of what he was playing was uh were I mean, it, it's kind of a um oh, uh what w- what's the word? It's it's like a contradiction, but but he's playing a lot of one-note chords. Um it's it's the sound of a chord, but if you're really listening to what it what he's actually playing, there's only one note that's registering. Sometimes two, mm-hmm. uh, but and, and there's an amazing website called uh, I think it's freddiegreen.org, dot org where a lot of his parts from the from those classic bassy records are transcribed, and there's tons of literature and examples of of that style and how to play in that style. It's something that you can do on the mandolin.
0: Right, right. Um, I love it.
1: And yeah, and, and on, I think on Indiana, I I have an opportunity to to kind of get into that mode. A
0: oh, little bit. for sure. The other thing on this album that really um, is impressive, especially for a guy who plays with a bow, is your tremolo. <laughs> your your oh, oh, thanks. Yeah. So, what's your, how do you how did you develop your tremolo? What's some tremolo suggestions? Because your tremolo is really ah. clean, really accurate. It's it's excellent.
1: Uh, thank you so much. Oh, you're um, welcome. I, I, I don't, I, gosh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think just listening and watching Don Sternberg because he has mm-hmm. a really, really beautiful tremolo. Yeah. And, and so that was kind of always my template for, I mean, I, fr- frankly, I, I didn't really listen to a lot of mandolin players right, um, right. like in terms of influences. They, it, it was, in terms of influences on the mandolin, there was Don mm-hmm. and then guitar players. Right. So, so when, when you're talking about tremolo, the one that I was really listening to, uh, was, was obviously Don's and, yeah. um, and so that, that's where it is. I mean, there, it was not really anything that I, uh, you know, hadn't had exercises for or any, mm-hmm. anything like that. Sure.
0: Well, it's really good. And again, especially cause you, you know, from playing, from going from playing with a bow to, uh. To play to playing tremolo, it seems like it's you know it's definitely two completely separate things. But
1: oh it, yeah, it 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 really is, and um you know but but it, at this point uh, I've I've been dealing with a pick for a little while now, not sure. as long as a bow, but a, a little while. So I I kind of feel like in the same way that there are things I would do uh, that I would gravitate toward on the mandolin fretboard that I... I would never ever uh it would never occur to me to play on the violin it just wouldn't make for me a lot of sense sure um you know they're, they're two different instruments and so the bow and the pick at uh, you know are, are also kind of independent things
0: do you have a uh, particular pick you use um
1: I'm, i mean it it, it, it changes mm-hmm. uh but at the moment yeah I, I like the uh the pick boys the pick boy 100s oh no kidding um, yeah, the the ones that have little little holes holes yeah. in them. Yeah. Um I don't know, you know, it's it's not too thick, it's not it's not too flimsy.
0: Sure. Uh, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time here. Um we, we I wanted to really talk about this new album which is fantastic and getting to know your background has been incredible too. Um okay. So I, um a couple of things I always talk about the Mandolin's Beer podcast, but we already mm-hmm. discussed prior to this interview. Uh-huh. Not necessarily a beer uh-huh. fan, which is 100% all right. That is one hundred percent all right. I'm, um, I'm, I'm,
1: not, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe like you know, I'll develop a, a, a an affinity for it uh, later on. There's there's other alcoholic beverages that that I, I, I like, but but beer, right, it's not not for me. No, at, at that's this all right. Sure, but I, I will keep an open mind. About that.
0: <laughs> there's a lot of it out there now. It's not just uh, Miller Light and Budweiser. So you never know. You might find uh-huh. something out there. What's uh, if you had to get a drink today? What would you What would you order?
1: <laughs> the the question on everyone's mind. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I mean I, I, I'm a I'm a, a, a gin fan. Oh nice. So it it would probably you know, I, I, I used to drink straight gin, um and and in my old age I can't do that anymore. Sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, but uh I used to drink gin or wine or something
0: like that. Sure. And then uh, I always like to ask the uh, 10 minutes in a day question. So we, if you had 10 minutes today to pick up your instrument, either the, the violin or the uh, yeah. mandolin. By the way, it's so hard not to say fiddle. Uh, you're one of the first jazz people I've talked to. So everybody else in the, in the uh, bluegrass world would say fiddle. Oh, you,
1: you could say it. It's no, okay. no I want to show it the
0: proper respect it deserves in your hands. <laughs> no,
1: there's nothing more respectful than fiddle, yeah, I, good point. I think. I mean yeah.
0: So if you were to pick it up for 10 minutes a day, either one, what's something that you would work on to help you become a better player that you would recommend somebody do?
1: mm mm-hmm. uh, Well, I mean, the, the truth is that sometimes I do only have 10 minutes in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, like life sometimes just gets in the way of, of practicing. Sure. And and I, I, e- even when I don't have 10 minutes, I make 10 minutes or a half hour or something just to... Keep an orientation um, and what that means for me and and I'll, I'll pick up one or the other I mean it doesn't really if, if it's just a if it's a matter of ten minutes it doesn't really matter which one uh, what I'm trying to do is to keep the orientation between the stuff I'm hearing in my head mm-hmm. and the fingers and executing it on on the fingerboard or the fretboard um, and you know and if you're playing jazz so much of the quote game of it is that is being able to play what you hear in your head and you know and and not fooling yourself into thinking you're playing what you're hearing in your head when in fact you're you're actually playing some lick that you know um is is going to sound great <laughs> right. um and and sometimes in the moment it's not clear what it is you're doing but you know, when I'm practicing, I go for ideals. Like, and the ideal is to play what you hear. When you're on the gig, things happen and you do your best. You, you know, you do what you can. But mm-hmm. when you're practicing, uh, for me, uh, I kind of think of it as in terms of if I'm not practicing in the most ideal way, then when I'm in the real world playing, there's going to be very little chance of, of being able to even get close to the ideal if i haven't been practicing that way so it, it's sometimes i will take a song i will just pick a a, a song basically the chord progression to a song mm-hmm. and just try to you put on a metronome or even nothing and try to improvise um over the changes of that song um Letting my my mind's ear, so to speak, kind of guide what it is that my fingers are doing, or, or it, at least that's the goal.
2: Sure,
0: that's awesome. Um,
1: and so, if I only have ten minutes, it, it, it would be something in those
0: terms. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's great, man. That's great advice. Uh, David Benedict, are you familiar with him at all by chance? Does the men, yeah, yeah 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 definitely that was very yeah, similar to amazing. his advice. Oh, he is definitely one of my favorites as well. He did the very first podcast and. And much like yourself, just super nice guy, as everybody has been in that I've that I've had on this podcast. It's been amazing to talk yeah, to people. Yeah, I, I mean,
1: what one what, what of the really exciting things for me, and one of the cool things about social media. I mean, we we all like to kind of get down on it and the narcissism of it, but sure. like one of the really great things about it is that I, you know, just selfishly, I get to hear all of these amazing musicians who do things that have nothing to do with what I'm doing, or, or, you know, sometimes they they have a lot to do, but it's like there's all these different points of view, and it, it's it's just it's very exciting for me to get to hear what other people are doing and how other people are thinking, and the mandolin is such a, needless to say, versatile instrument that... Right. It's just, uh, you know, it, it really—it's really very inspiring to, to get to hear what all these players are doing.
0: I agree, and, and you are very inspiring. I mean, again, it's it, the mandolin. If if you stop your research, it could be almost a restrictive instrument if you think that the only thing it's good for is necessarily playing bluegrass as a as a listener. Sure. You're like, What's the only thing it's good for? I mean, and that's great. Mm-hmm. If that's if that's all you love, I you know what? That's awesome. I'm all about. Play, play what you want to play. Listen to what you want it to. I'm not going A- to judge you. Absolutely,
1: but but actually, I think you you could say that across the board with instruments. I mean, if you get into the kind of uh, groove of this is the only thing that could be done on this instrument, I think mm-hmm. it's really missing the point of whatever music it is that you're that you're making.
0: Sure. Well, um, you, you really opened yeah. some doors for me um, seeing your 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 chord melody videos and in this oh, new gosh. album, this new album's very inspiring. And yeah, I found myself playing along very poorly, I'm sure, if I were to listen back to it. Sure Just not. playing along with I, the, recordings, the recordings today. And um, I recommend everybody getting it. And thank you so much for what you do. And congratulations on the new album. Congratulations also on the, is it 2019 downbeat? Like rising, rising stars as well, correct?
1: Oh, th- th- thank you! Thank yeah, you so yeah, much. you're
0: welcome. Yeah, you know, if, it, if you're not a jazz listener, it's a, it's a big publication in the jazz world. So to get that um, <laughs> acknowledgement, so it's great. Thank you for taking the time today to do the podcast, and congratulations yeah, on all your uh, on, on your new album and all your success.
1: Thank you so much. It was really great to talk to you. Oh, thank you.
0: And there you have it. Podcast number six in the books. Aaron was an incredible guest. Be sure to check out his website. I've got all the links posted here. On If you go to mandolinsandbeer.com, all the links are posted. Be sure to follow the Spotify playlist where I've got the songs we talked about on this podcast. Mandolin Cafe, Peghead Nation. Thank you all so much for the sponsorship. And, um, yeah, that's it. Looking forward to episode number seven. Thanks again to Aaron. Be sure check out that album. If you haven't already gotten it, check out his YouTube videos And have a great week. Talk to you soon. Cheers, everybody.